Well, before we get into gnats and camels, which we're all excited about, um, I have to tell you a story. So this guy um, was stranded on a deserted island for many, many years, and you can imagine how excited he was when he was rescued, and he was just wanting to show his rescuers the island. And, and he, he showed them, this is, this is where I, sl- I slept. I, I've been sleeping here for years. And this is, this is where we, I made my food. This is my dining area. And he, he said, here's, here's my little living area. And then he comes over and there's this other kind of structure of sorts. And, and he says, with great joy and pride, this is my church. This is where I come to worship. And the guy, the, the rescuers say, well, what's that other building over there? What's that? He gets a look of disgust on his face. That's the church I used to go to. All right, here we go. Romans 14. I'm going to actually have you stay sitting because it's such a long passage. Then I'll have you stand when we get to the gnats and camels passage. So here we go. Romans 14. Now accept the one who is weak in faith, but not for the purpose of passing judgment on his opinions. One person has faith that he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats vegetables only. The one who eats is not to regard with contempt the one who does not eat. And the one who does not eat is not to judge the one who eats, for God has accepted him. Who are you to judge the servant of another? To his own master he stands or falls, and he will stand, for the Lord is able to make him stand. One person regards one day above another. Another regards every day alike. Each person must be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observes the day, observes it for the Lord. And he who eats, does so for the Lord. For he gives thanks to God. And he who eats not, for the Lord, he does not eat and gives thanks to God. For not one of us lives for himself, and not one dies for himself. For if we live, we live for the Lord. Or if we die, we die for the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord, both of the dead and of the living. But you, why do you judge your brother? Or you again, why do you regard your brother with contempt? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall give praise to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather determine this, not to put an obstacle or a stumbling block in a brother's way. I know and am convinced in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but to him who thinks anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. For if because of food your brother is hurt, you are no longer walking according to love. Do not destroy with food him for whom Christ died. Therefore, do not let what is for you a good thing be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. For he who in this way serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then we pursue the things which make for peace and the building up of one another. Do not tear down the work of God for the sake of food. All things indeed are clean, but they are evil for the man who eats and gives offense. It is good not to eat meat or to drink wine or to do anything by which your brother stumbles. The faith which you have, have as your own conviction before God. Happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves. But he who doubts is condemned if he eats, because his eating is not from faith, and whatever is not from faith is sin. Could we stand together? Matthew 23, verse 24. You blind guides, you strain out a gnat, but swallow 
a camel. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your presence here today. You are the teacher, Jesus. You said that you would speak to the Holy Spirit and that whatever the Holy Spirit hears, he would speak to us. So Jesus, you are the wonderful counselor and the Holy Spirit is here to bring it to every single heart. Just what you want to say. Speak to each life. Father, disarm thoughts and thought patterns that are causing us to be divided from one another. Make us one, we ask in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. 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 You may be seated. So, defining gnats and camels. Camels represent essential truths big things, while gnats represent preferences, opinions, or human traditions. So Jesus is very strong with the Pharisees. He says, you blind guides, you strain out gnats, but swallow camels. You take very small things and make them all important And those things that are all important, you don't even think about. Matthew 15, 8 and 9. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. In this specific context... Jesus has said, you guys have completely ignored the command, honor your father and mother. That would would be the camel. And you've made your own rule. They had said any money that you call, you just have to call it Corbin, which means dedicated to God. You call that money Corbin, and you don't have to do anything for your parents. You don't have to give to them. You don't have to help them. It kind of gets you out of it. And you guys have made this the rule. This This is your big thing that everybody has to do. And in doing it, you disregard that which is very close to the heart of God. And Jesus says, you blind guides. Whenever a gnat becomes a camel, it blinds you. Whenever something small, something peripheral becomes your main event, your main thing. And there's something about human pride that likes to identify itself, separate itself on a very small thing, and you just get a little puffed up with it, and pretty soon, if you don't line up to this, you're not part of my group. So I was in college. My, this is my, really my, one of my first experiences with this. I've had, actually, all kinds of experiences around this. But this is one of the first. Um, my next door neighbor in Milton became a Christian about the same time I did. And I was just so excited about this. We did sports together. We had played board games together. And now we share Christ together. And so I was excited about spending time with him and and he was very into the Bible and had everything underlined in his Bible. And, but every time we got together, we, he wanted to talk to me about water baptism, which I'm good. Let's talk about it. Let's, let's, let's get into it. And he, he had a certain way his church taught that you needed to be baptized. And um, I, I'm, all this time, I'm thinking we're just having fellowship in Christ. This is two brothers having fellowship in Christ. And, but he was so strong and so adamant. And I'm like, Craig, what exactly do you want me to do? Uh, I've been baptized. I've been baptized in Jesus' name. Isn't that good enough? And it turns out, no, it wasn't good enough. He did not consider me a Christian. Because you needed, not only did you need to be baptized in Jesus' name only, you needed to believe that that was how you got saved, was by being baptized in Jesus' name only. And frankly, that really happened at his church. 
And so I was, I was on the other. He's, he's trying to evangelize me. And I'm like, bro, I love Jesus. My, my, I, I spent my whole life talking about Jesus. I'm leading people to Christ. What are you believing about God that says that because I haven't crossed every little thing exactly the way you do, that that, that would exclude me from the kingdom of God? It was tragic. Years later, um, I... We, we, we were back in Milton, and he was home, and I got to chat with him, and he was not only not with that church anymore, he was not with Jesus anymore. And I just, I just got together with him, and I, I pleaded with him. I said, Bud, please do not throw out the baby with the bathwater. That's very, that's very similar to camels and gnats. Don't, there, there was something precious and valuable and real that had touched your heart. This, there was real. Now, a lot of other stuff got added onto it that wasn't right, and there was a lot of legalism, but do not, do not throw away the camel because of all of the gnats. Spiritual blindness when gnats become camels. Point two, gnats and camels in the church at Rome. We, I've said this several times as we've talked about the book of Romans. I'm going to give you a very quick review as to what, why Paul even wrote this letter. The church at Rome was birthed at, after Pentecost. Some people went back from, that had come to Rome. Every, they came from all over um, the, the empire to come back. Jews had to come back to Pentecost. There were lots of Jews living in Rome. Some had come. They had received the fullness of the Spirit, and the church took off in Rome. In 49 AD, Claudius made all of the Jews leave Rome and if you know the history of it, it's because of the, the trouble between Christians and Jews. So all the Jews had to leave Rome. Suetonius says it, who's a Roman historian, but uh, Luke also says it in Acts 18, that when Claudius made all of the Jews leave Rome, Paul at that time met Priscilla and Aquila, who were from Rome. It wasn't just Jews. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't just the Jews that weren't Christians. It was all Jews. If you were a Christian and a Jew, you had to leave Rome. So all of the Jews left. And Paul meets all of these people and becomes friends with them. Priscilla and Aquila included. And, but, but the church that since 33 AD has been Jewish-led in Rome, all the Jews are gone, all their Jewish leaders are gone. For five years, it is Gentile-led. And in 54 AD, Nero orders, when Claudius dies, Nero becomes the new emperor, and the first thing he does is have all the Jews come back for economic reasons back to Rome. So now we've got this conflict between Gentile believers and Jewish believers. We know a Priscilla and Aquila went back because they're listed in Romans 16. In fact, several of Paul's Jewish friends are listed in Romans 16. He had never been to Rome. How did he make friends? It was during this time. So we have got a church divided. And all of Romans hits on Jew-Gentile, Jew-Gentile, but perhaps nowhere more strongly than Romans chapter 14. Camels and gnats in Romans chapter 14. Paul says, listen, church, there are some things that are, that are really, really important that we all share. That Jesus Christ died and rose from the dead so that he would be the judge of all people. So that he would be the one that every knee would bow to, every tongue would confess to. And Jesus is the way to God. He is the way for forgiveness of sins. And Paul's really spent all of Romans talking about the camels. All of the important things. That this is where righteousness comes. A right standing with God. This is about righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Anybody that serves God in this way is right. Now, Romans, there are a, num- a number of matters that are small. They are your preferences. 
They are your opinions and they are your traditions. And they are threatening to divide you. He talks about meat. There were two issues with meat in the, in the early church. One was a Gentile issue. Meat sacrificed to idols. If, if I've grown up and, and, and every time you eat meat, it's a worship service to a, to a, a God, then I'm going to have trouble after I become a Christian. The Jews had no problems. There is no other God except God alone. doesn't matter. That's just meat. But if you grew up and that, that was your allegiance to another God, you would struggle with eating any meat at all. But then there's also Jewish meat. Jews, Jews can't eat pork. And so now in the gospel, we are saved by grace, not by our diet. Can we all of a sudden now eat pork? And then you've got people still keeping the Sabbath day. Some of you are treating one day as more important than the other days. That's the Sabbath day. That's the Sabbath day from the Old Testament. God gave us the Sabbath. The Sabbath is eternal. This is part of our faith. We keep the Sabbath. Yeah, we, we also, on the Lord's Day, which is Sunday, we go to church, but we still keep the Sabbath. That's how we were raised. And Paul has declared in the gospel that Jesus, Colossians 3, 15 and 16, he has is, he is fulfilled all of the ceremonial law of the Old Testament. All of those meats, all of those outward separations, including the Sabbath day itself, were all signs, were all shadows that were fulfilled in Christ. Now we are separated in our hearts by the truth, not by food we eat. All food has been declared clean. And we rest. We don't rest on a day. We rest in a person. We rest in Christ. So all the days are the same, and, and you can eat any food. It's all been declared okay. But it's not that simple. Here's why it's not that simple. I have grown up Jewish. I have always not eaten pork. I have always kept the Sabbath day. Now I'm in Christ. I'm really in Christ. I love Jesus. I I worship Jesus. And I and I understand this thing about it's it's by grace and not by works, but if you've if you've never eaten pork and you've you've never missed the Sabbath, how can it all of a sudden be okay to miss it? And maybe doctrinally I get it, but in my conscience, I still feel like I need to do that. Maybe just to be sure. Just, just to be sure. And I'm doing it to the Lord. I'm, I'm just trying to please God and I just want to make sure I'm pleasing God. And so I'm, I'm, I'm still refraining from this and I'm, I'm still doing this. And, and Paul says to those that are, he calls it weak in conscience because they don't understand the full implications. And he, and he says to, to the, to the, to the weak, he said, it's fine. If that's what your conscience tells you, But don't condemn everybody that doesn't keep the Sabbath. Don't make the Sabbath day part of the... Don't make it a camel. Don't make it real Christians keep the Sabbath and don't eat pork. Real Christians do it this way. Because don't make your rule everybody's rule. Don't make your opinion, your tradition, how you do it, your conscience. Don't impose that on everyone. So don't, to the weak, he says, it's fine. You do it your way. But, but don't condemn those that don't do it your way. And then he has a word to the strong. He says, Stop being arrogant and treating it like, that is so stupid. Jesus died for that. We're saved by grace. You don't have to do all that stuff. And you don't have to, you don't have to keep the Sabbath day. We're, you know, we're going to a party. Come with us. We're, you, 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 that's, that's crazy. That's stupid. We're, we're, not, we're not under that anymore. Paul says, you need to watch out. 
Because it's not just about doctrine, it's about conscience. And you need to be careful because some people struggle in their conscience with things and you need to love them. Love is more important than you being right. So there is this division going. And Paul just is saying you've got to make a distinction between opinions, preferences, traditions, and what the essentials of the gospel are. To the strong, he says, having an opinion or a preference is fine. And it's all right to discuss it. In verse 16, he says, do not let what is for you a good thing be spoken of as evil. In other words, you need to be okay to talk about your position. He says, verse 22, the faith which you have, have as your own conviction before God. Happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves. Don't be bullied by everybody else's preference and tradition and opinion. It is okay to come to your own conclusions on some of these things that are not central. But then he says to the strong, don't flaunt your freedom in a way that might hurt someone and make someone else stumble. Verse 15, if your brother is hurt, you are no longer walking according to love. So that's the gnats and camels in Rome. So let's move on. Point three, gnats and camels today. We just had another membership class in one of our um, central tenants at City Church. It's from the early fathers. It says this, in essentials, unity, in non-essentials, liberty, and in all things, charity. The essentials are the camels. The non-essentials are the gnats. And so what we did, we did this actually for a couple years, I would take a Sunday night, usually, usually about every other month, and we would do an area that Christians disagree on. And so we did one on let's talk about evolution. And we did it at night, and here's why we did it at night. First, I would give my opinion. First, I'd, first I'd identify the camels. What are the camels of creation? That God is the one who created, who created, and why he created. That we have been made in the image of God for a relationship with God. God has created all things, all the beauty, all of it speaks of his divine nature. God is the creator, and he is the one that created us, made us the highest beings of creation for a relationship with him. Those are the essentials of creation. So then we talked about some of the gnats. How old is the earth? Is the earth young or is it old? How did God create? Did he create in six 24-hour periods? Did he create over long periods of time? Did he, did he use a, a process to create? And those are gnats. What do I mean by that? Pastor Tom, I be, uh, I, well, here's what I mean by it. People that love Jesus Christ, love the Bible, have been serving God for years, who live every day to please God, have a different opinion about it than you do. We did, uh, let's talk about predestination. The essential in redemption is that Jesus saves. That Jesus is the only way to God. That Jesus died and rose again from the dead. And by his cleansed blood, we can now are invited into a relationship with God. He is not our way. He is the way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's an essential. Now, how God saves and, and who he saves, these are, these are gnats. Now, you wouldn't think it because people have very strong opinions about how God does things. And I've got 
lots of friends that I would call them Calvinists that believe it was all decided beforehand. Wonderful, lovely people. They just think something very different than I think about how exactly. I know we've got people that are Calvinists that come here. I've, I've talked to them. And so what we would do each night is I would share my thing and then we'd have open mic. Everybody could say what they think. We pass the mic around. Say whatever you want to. Ask a question. Give a comment. Tell me I'm wrong. I don't care. And we had some people tell me that I was very wrong. <laughs> I, I remember on the creation one, my oh my, I had a guy stand up and, and I, I, he, he just, he did not like my position at all. And he got done and I just said, this is a brother that's a, an elder, certainly carries the weight of an elder in this church and his voice is very important to be heard. Thank you for sharing. And that took a little steam out of it. Um, you should have been here the night we did on politics. <laughs> Woo! I gave my thing and then we opened the mic up and we had uh, somebody stand up and it was a Republican and you, I don't see how any God-fearing person could d- d- be, de- be Democrat because of this position and, and the next person stood up was an African-American lady who's uh, very uh, established in the university. She stood up and she said... Uh, I'm Democrat. God's for the poor. I don't know how anybody could be a God. Anyway, it was hot. (laughs) And we, we heard, we heard there are people that really, truly love God, love the Bible, serve God, that, that have different opinions about some of these things. The Holy Spirit. Woo. And here's the essential. The Holy Spirit is the third person in the Trinity. He is the engine of the Christian life. He is Jesus in us. Jesus gives us the Holy Spirit as his representative. There are no fruits and no uh, gifts without the Holy Spirit's presence. That's how God made it. So we, have, we had one night called Let's Talk About the Prophetic. Okay, so here's the Nats. Who does God speak to? How often does he speak? What does it look like when he speaks? Does he only speak in his word or does he speak with dreams and, and visions? And, and, and do we have, are we, does everybody that says God told me, does that mean God told them? And the, we talked about all that stuff. We did a night on, let's talk about healing. Jesus is a healer. He's a healer in scripture. He's a healer today. But how does he heal? Was healing in the atonement or is healing in the kingdom? Does he heal uh, by the word of knowledge or does he heal when we're sincere enough or when we believe enough or or is there a a secret around healing where it happens sometimes and the other and doesn't and and people have very strong opinions about healing and how God heals and stuff. Gnats. Those are gnats. If you think you've got healing all figured out, I'm very suspicious of you. (laughs) but we have to love one another the end times oh my let's talk about the end times you would be surprised at how few camels there are with the end times here are the camels Jesus is coming back for those who are ready that's it but there are opinions about when he's coming. Is it going to be premillennial or amillennial or pre-tribulation or mid-trib, pre-wrath, post-trib? Is he coming this way or that way? I mean, and, and you would think, we laugh here, but people can be very strong with their opinion. And, and if you don't share it, sometimes what happens, the enemy could touch our pride and... We go away thinking, they don't believe in the Bible. Because this is very clear. It's very clear. Huh? When gnats become camels, there's division. So, the first church I was in, in Milton, I was just so excited about Jesus. And I wanted to be in a church that was excited about Jesus. And I was in this little Baptist church. There's just about 30 of us, maybe. Maybe 40. And they were excited. 
So I wanted to be part of it. Well, as I, as I fellowshiped there, I found out a number of things. One, the only version of the Bible that was accurate was the King James Bible. It's the only one God used. The other, the other ones were of the enemy. I found out that they believed that they were the only church in that city. Even though there's 20 other churches, ours was the only church because, and here's why, because the pastor said God never would have told me to plant this church if there was another church here. So there can't be another church here because God told me to plant here. You say, Pastor Tom, why were you in that church? It sounds like a cult. I didn't know any better. I'm trying to learn. I'm just, I'm just part of it. I'm just, I'm in there. And, and uh, so then I have an experience with the Holy Spirit where I get a prayer language, uh, speaking in tongues. <laughs> and the leadership was not happy. And I mean not happy. I, I got together with the pastor. I had to have a special meeting with one of the elders. Then I had to have a special meeting with the pastor. And, 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 and so the, the pastor's like, you know, tell me exactly what this is. And I, I said, well, you know, this is in the Bible. It's in Acts 2. It's in Mark 16. And the pastor says, stop. For starters, he said, if anyone in this church was going to have the experience you described, it would be me. And he said, we have talked about it, and you have two options. You can forsake your experience and continue on here, or you can, you can go find another church. I don't know if you've ever received the left foot of fellowship. great people. They loved God. They really did. They loved God. We were about evangelism and zeal, but so a few years ago, we had some precious, precious people in this church. Two families met in my office, and they told me what they were, what they were feeling about things. And that I had mentioned some ministers in other places in the country, other places that I had experiences or, or felt like these were people of God. And, and they're like, the, these people believe wrong things and they are leading the church down a wrong path into false signs and wonders. And we, we, need, we love you and that's why we're here. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. And we need you to publicly renounce these ministers. Publicly renounce these ministries. Or we're leaving the church. And I'm like, well, I can go with you a long way. I can, I can say on these specific things, those were wrong. Those, the, these things, these people believe there, there's some weird, a little weird stuff here and some weird stuff here. And I can also go by the wisdom of not mentioning other churches and ministries that have questions in them from the pulpit. I, cause that, that could lead people it the wrong way. I said, but the idea of me publicly renouncing them, I'm, Folks, we know in part, then we'll know fully as we're fully known. If we have to know it all and have it all perfectly, and I'm going to publicly renounce somebody, then somebody's going to publicly renounce me at some point. I'm like, I, I'm not going to, I love these people. I love, it was three men, men leaders in the United States. I said, I love all three of them. I don't agree with them on everything, but I love them. I think they're men of God. And, and if you're waiting for a public renunciation, it's not going to happen. So they left the church, which is certainly their right. And they, they're finding a church that they like. And I, I think they have found churches that they like and that they agree with. And it's just the way they want to, they, they would like it to be, but, and I could still consider them brothers and sisters in Christ that are, are loved. Not everybody has to come here. Um, And of course, for them, those are camels. And that's the hill they wanted to die on. And I, I, I'm like, 
I don't think it's a camel. I think it's a gnat. I think we're, I think we're, but we can agree to disagree about what gnats and camels are. <clears throat> then I've got this tragic story of a very, very good friend, another state, who no longer goes to church. And the reason why is because her church celebrates Christmas and Easter. And those are pagan. Those are pagan in origin and Constantine made them pagan. And the reason why God's not blessing the church is because the church is celebrating Christmas and Easter right along with the world. And I'm like, so you don't go to church anymore? Could you, could you come to our church? Nope. Something became a camel. Something became the most important thing. And so she's out of unity with the body of Christ. Halloween, I could see. <laughs> Christmas and Easter, anyway. When you're in the ministry, folks, life happens. All right, point four. Sometimes your gnat is someone else's camel. This is really important. Hebrews 12.1 says that each one of us has an easily besetting sin. The reason why this gets tricky is everybody doesn't have the same easily besetting sin. There are issues in your life that are not even a temptation to me, and there are things that are not even a struggle at all for you that are a problem for me. And so because of this, there are some things that are going to be a camel for one person that are a gnat for another. For instance, having a, having a glass of wine with supper or a, a beer with friends. Bible condemns drunkenness, but certainly not having a glass of wine or, I mean, Jesus, Jesus drank wine. Jesus was accused of being a wine bibber and... So the idea that it is absolutely wrong to have a beer or a glass of wine is, it, that's just not, it's not biblical. But let's say you're an alcoholic. Let's say your life has been destroyed by alcohol and your parents' lives were destroyed by alcohol and you are coming out of that lifestyle. You are in Alcoholics Anonymous or Celebrate Recovery. And for you, one drink will take you back the wrong way. That is now a camel in your life. That is a camel. You cannot have that one drink. God will make that an issue with you. Let's take lust. People coming out of pornography, pornography, sex addictions. Do you know for them, watching a movie is too much? They cannot watch a movie. They can't watch TV. They can't watch a commercial. It's, it just triggers. It triggers too many things. And so, so any media like that has become a camel in their life. They have to have a very strong line because they know where it leads. They've, they've been down that road many times. You, the enemy punches that and they know that that's going to lead to bad things. So the body of Christ needs to recognize that everybody is dealing with different things. And you need to walk lightly. You don't flaunt your freedom. You, you, you check out the group you're in and you restrain having a glass of wine because you know somebody at that table is an alcoholic and that's going to be hard for them. And it's not a big deal. And you say, let's do something else. Let's, let's play cards. Let's play Monopoly instead of watching a movie because you know this person. You know their history. And love says, I am not going to flaunt my freedom. This brother is more important than my freedom. This sister is more important than my freedom. 
Now here's the other side of it. It's very easy when somebody says alcohol is wrong, any alcohol is wrong for me to immediately make it for the entire body of Christ. And if anybody has any beer or any alcohol, then they are a compromiser. They might make it to heaven, but they're not a Christian, not a strong Christian. I'm praying for you though. Or those Christians that watch movies, call themselves Christians, that's the world. And you can, you can impose what, what is a camel for you on the, everybody else. And it's very, very easy to do. And it divides the body of Christ. So that brings us to the last point. We're almost done. Point five, three reasons not to judge other people's gnats. First, God accepts them. Verse 3. <coughs> the one who eats is not to regard with contempt the one who does not eat, and the one who does not eat is not to judge the one who eats, for God has accepted him. How can we reject somebody that God's accepted? How can God accept somebody as their son and their daughter and we reject them as our brother and sister? God accepts you with all your flaws and he asks you to accept those that don't look just like you or don't practice just like you. Secondly, Second reason to not judge other people's nets. Jesus is their judge. The Bible tells us that Jesus died and rose again from the dead so that he might be the Lord of all, the judge of all. Acts 17, 31 says that God raised Jesus from the dead and therefore he furnished proof to all people that he has appointed this man, the God-man, to be the judge of of the human race. Jesus is the judge. Jesus, God, God, the Father gave Jesus judgment over the human race simply for this reason. He loved them like no one else loved. He died for you. He has the right to judge you because he shed his blood for you and for me. So you're not anybody's judge. Before his own master, he will stand or fall. And then Paul says this amazing thing. And God is able to make them stand. They're not your servant, they're God's servant. You're not their judge, God is their judge. And guess what? God's not an impartial judge. God is cheering for them. Even if they don't have it right, God is cheering for them. And he is able to make them stand. I don't know. I don't think that group's going to make it. They're, they've added stuff to the gospel. They're too legalistic. This is all around us right now. We've got churches in Madison that, well, I've already mentioned, you baptize in Jesus' name only, and they can't accept the rest of the body of Christ because we don't do it their way. We've got one group in town that if you don't speak in tongues, you are not saved. You don't really have the Holy Spirit unless you speak in tongues. And so they can't really fellowship with other churches, even the ones that do speak in tongues or have some people that speak in tongues because they don't believe that speaking in tongues is part of salvation. We've got Sabbath churches all over the place. Seven, I'm not going to name them, but they, they, they believe that we need to be keeping the Sabbath. And they would call everybody in this place Sabbath breakers. Say, so why would they call a Sabbath breaker? I'm, I'm at church. Well, A, Sabbath isn't Sunday. It's Saturday. And B, you'd have to follow all the rules they, they've made for, anyway, whatever. I'm, I'm not here. Here's the point. Here, here's my point. We can look at these groups and say in our hearts, hmm, I, don't, I don't know if they're going to make it. They're legalistic. They've added stuff to the gospel. You know what Paul says here? Stop it. They love me. They're serving me. The reason why they don't eat is because of me. 
The reason why they baptize a certain way in their hearts is because of me. The reason why they think it's this way is because of me. They are serving me. They are loving me. They are devoted to me. The reason why they're keeping the Sabbath, which frankly is very inconvenient for them. It's very inconvenient to, to still believe in the Sabbath. You got to, you know, my oh my. We had, we had a pastor in Milton who his son became a, a star and he was amazing and he got drafted by a huge college team and he went to see a game on a Saturday to see his son play and he got elders met while he was at the game and kicked him out of the church. It's not easy to believe that. But the point is this, those that do believe it, their conscience believes it, whether it's right or wrong in your eyes, they're doing it for God and believing in God. And it doesn't mean they don't believe in Jesus. It doesn't mean they're trying to, not trying to seek Jesus. And so even though they may not include you and you, they don't treat you as a real Christian, you need to be bigger than that and say, you're still in. Why? Because of the goodness of God, you're still in. Because God is able to make people stand even if they don't have it just right. Isn't that good news? <laughs> and if you're on the other side of it, and you just don't, you just don't think those Christians are going to make it because they're so worldly. They, their favorite TV show, disgusting. Yeah, they come to church and they give money and they, they, yeah, I guess they do serve and do mission strips and stuff, but I don't think so. I don't think they could, they could really be in. You know what? Pray for them. I'm not saying Christians aren't worldly. Christians are oftentimes worldly. I'm stunned by the things Christians put before their eyes. I am. Pray for them. And know this. God is able to make them stand. And you always got to remember, you don't know everybody's story. And you're making all these judgments because they watch the wrong thing or go to the wrong thing. And right now, God might be dealing with one issue that they were molested when they were little and they're trying to forgive. And this is very sincere and that's their struggle and that's the issue. And God doesn't even care about all the other stuff they're doing right now because that's the issue that he's after. And if they respond to him in that issue, that's just going to bring great delight to God, even though they still bug you. We all need to keep in mind that God delights in his people. And we don't have a right to be irritated with everybody. Here, here's, here's what happens. If you are irritated with the human race, then everybody thinks that's how God feels about them. You're a Christian. You're irritated. Therefore, God must be. Folks, God loves people. You don't bug God. You may irritate people, but God's, God, God's got room for you. Thank God he's got room for me. <laughs> Finally, thir- third reason to not judge other people's gnats. You will be judged. V- verse 10, for we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. most important day in your life is not your birthday. And it's not Christmas, and it's not the day you retire. (laughs) The most important day of your life is when you stand before God. Each one of us will stand and give their own account before God. That's why Paul only had one goal. Paul didn't have a, a list of goals for the church and for his own life. Here was his goal. Whether in the body or out of the body, here is my goal to please God. For we must all stand before the judgment seat of Christ and give an account for the deeds that we did in the flesh. So, here's the gnat and here's the camel. The gnat is whether other people are doing the right thing. Here's the camel. Whether you're doing the right thing. That's how God sees it. Show it to me in the Bible. All right. Game on. Matthew 7, 1 through 4. Judge not, lest you be judged. 
In the measure you use to judge others, so will that measurement be given back to you. If you unfairly criticize and judge others, you are going to feel like God is unfairly criticizing and judging you. The contrary is true too. Matthew 5, 7, blessed are the merciful. They will obtain mercy. You want to have a wide place under you? Practice giving mercy to people. Man, I got a hold of this. I used to have such a spirit of judgment, had opinions about everybody's life and what everybody should be doing. And I got a hold of that. I said, God, are you saying that if I will just have mercy on other people, that you will have mercy on me and I don't have to walk on these eggshells that I've been walking on? He said, that's exactly right. So I, I, I had something happen recently. I called this couple to get permission to share this. So a lady in the church calls me. And she says, uh, Pastor Tom, my husband is no longer following Jesus. He just told me that he's done. He's not following Jesus anymore. And I know her husband well. And I'm like, this does not seem right. This just, he just seems so solid. I said, I said, I don't want you. I, I said, Okay, I said, so she explained how it happened, and I said, okay, I'm going to call him, and then I'm going to call you back. So I call him. He picks up. I'm like, bro, are, did you leave the Christian faith? Are you no longer following Jesus? He says this. Oh, no, I still love the Lord. I'm still following the Lord. I just, I just can't have my wife expect so much of me anymore. <laughs> Guys, it's so easy to get wrapped up in what God's doing with somebody else. Here's what, here's what Jesus says to Peter. Peter was always concerned about how he measured up to the other guys. And Jesus has ministered to Peter, recalled him into ministry, and told him about how he's going to suffer. And Peter immediately says, what about him? Points to John. John was the main competitor. And listen to what Jesus said to his head disciple, because he's saying it to every one of us. John 21, he says this. Whether he lives or dies, what's that to you? You follow me. What God does in somebody else's life and how he's dealing with them, folks, that's a gnat. You need to just come alongside and encourage people and love people and be merciful to people, pray for people, absolutely. But at the end of the day, they're going to give their own account to God. You just need to cheer for them because God's cheering for them. And then you need to follow Jesus. You and I need to live our lives in light of the fact that Jesus loves us, died for us, and that one day we will stand before him as our judge. So here's all I'll end. The worship team can come. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul. Folks, in the end, it's not going to matter whether you had the perfect job or perfect health or that you had the perfect spouse or you had the perfect family or you had the perfect house. Those in the end, hear me, they're all gnats in the end. All the things that America says are camels and you got to just make everything's got to be perfect and comfortable and easy and and we're going to make it just so gnats. The the, the bump in your new car, the scratch in your new car, that's a gnat, folks. I'm sorry about it. It's a gnat. Here's the camel. God loves us. Jesus died so that we could have eternal life. He is inviting us in this hour to come awake to him, to come alive to him, to burn in our hearts for him, to to be his in this world.
And in the end, that's all that's going to matter. There's an old song. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. And in light of his glory and grace, everything in the world grows strangely dim. That as we worship him, as we see him, all the things that used to be so important and so urgent and so uh, dominating, they become dim. And Jesus becomes everything. Fact is, a lot of the things that are shaking in our lives that are not right, I'm trying to get them to be right and they're not right and I'm trying to get it right and I'm trying to get this and I I get this thing right and all of a sudden this thing's wrong. Do you know why God shakes all these things? It tells us in, in Hebrews 12, so that the things that can't be shaken will be revealed. He's just, he just wants to make it less important. So he's rattling your cage a little. I am sorry about the cages being rattled because I'm sorry when my own cage gets rattled. It got rattled yesterday. Anyway, that's, can we, you know what? Let's stay seated for a second, for just a moment. Here we go. Can we have every head bowed and eye closed for just a moment? Maybe you're here today. The Bible says, Jesus says, I stand at the door and knock. If anybody hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in him. Maybe you're here today and Jesus is knocking on your door. Jesus is inviting you. This is more than a preacher speaking. The Holy Spirit is knocking. He is knocking on your door. I want you to know something. That's the knock of great love. He died so that he could knock on your door. He wants to forgive you. He wants to make you his own. He wants to give you his gift, which is eternal life. But him knocking is not you opening. You need to respond to God. These people that were baptized, they made a response to God. They said, Jesus, I'm opening my door. Come in. The reason why we do it with every head bowed is this between you and God. The other reason is, is somebody help me do this. So I like to help other people. So if that's you, Jesus is knocking. You want to invite him in today to save you. Would you just raise your hand right now, high and long enough for me to see it? I see that hand. God bless you, bro. I see this hand and this hand and this hand. God bless you, folks. You could put those down. Still looking. Anybody else by upraised hand? We're going to pray in just a moment. Okay. If you raise your hand, would you just put your hand over your heart right now and pray something like this. Lord, thank you for your love. Thank you for dying for me on the cross. Holy Spirit, thank you for knocking on my life. Thank you for not letting me just go my own way and doing my own thing. Jesus, I open the door now by faith. Come in and save me, I pray. I'm calling on your name. I receive right now by faith your gift of eternal life. Be my Savior and be my Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, could we all stand? I just want to pray for you and we'll be done. Father, Lord, there are so many issues in the body of Christ today and so many opinions out there that are very, very strong opinions. I'm praying for our congregation. I'm praying for me that we will discern what is a gnat and what is a camel. And Lord, that we will purpose to not divide the church just because of our strong preference or opinion. But Lord, we would answer your prayer. You said, Father, make them one. You said, I'm giving my glory. The glory you gave me, I'm giving to them to make them one. I'm going to be so glorious in them. I'm going to reveal myself with such glory that they're going to be able to love each other past all of their differences, past all of their preferences, that there's going to be a statement to the world. When you make them one, Jesus says this, Father, make them one then the world will know that you have sent me. The world will know not when we preach the gospel, but when they see us live the gospel. Jesus, help us. 
We give you our pride. Make us one, we ask, for your glory and for our good. Lord, especially for those that from that very first story have just kind of had disgust towards their former church because they didn't do the right thing or didn't say the right thing. I certainly carried that against the church I came out of. Lord, we forgive and we let go of judgments towards churches maybe that we've come from that have not done it right. Maybe they've hurt us or even abused us. But we lay down our judgments and we say you are their judge and we also say you are able to make them stand. So we thank you, God, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, guys, have a great day. We'll have prayer up front if you need more prayer.